0: Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast
1: dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Today's topic is why integrated supply chains are more durable with John Tillerson. Welcome, John. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. John and I have been talking about this. We had some scheduling issues, then we had a technology issue. I'm finally, we're finally getting around to actually doing this. I don't know if this is a system thing or a user thing, but we're finally doing it. And hopefully this is actually going to be heard by everybody. John, before we get too far into this, why don't you introduce yourself and your company? Sure, my name is John
0: Tilliston. I'm the uh, senior vice president of sales and marketing at A. Dewey Pile. Pile's a 96 uh, year old privately owned company, family owned, privately owned, very financially strong business. Uh, located in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Westchester is about uh, 25 miles uh, northwest of uh, downtown Philadelphia. So, um, a pretty broad range of services: LTL warehousing, dedicated. Logistics supply chain uh, solutions. So, revenue is approaching, it um, will approach almost $500 million in 2020, even with the COVID challenges that
1: everyone is facing. So, nice, nice. John, it's funny with the name A, period, Dewey Pile. It's one of those weird names in logistics. And I remember, I don't think I've ever worked with you guys, but I've always seen the name, and everybody knows you're big out east. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, very, very well-recognized brand, but primarily in the mid-Atlantic and definitely uh, in the Northeast up through New England.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us a few career highlights.
0: Sure. Yeah. So I, I actually was born about uh, not far from here, Narbuth, Pennsylvania, a suburb of, uh, again, Philadelphia. So I lived there till I was uh, age 10. My father was in uh, sales. Is back in the 60s and 70s. So he was relocated, relocated family to Buffalo, New York. So I actually lived up there for five years when O.J. Simpson was running around for the Buffalo.
1: Oh, boy. So, so when he was known for football.
0: <laughs> and he was a football guy. So or, or when he, before he got into trouble. But we lived there uh, until I was 15 and then uh, actually then ended up moving back this way to Reading, Pennsylvania. And that's where I graduated from high school.
1: Where'd you go to college?
0: Yeah, so I ended up graduating from Penn State University in 1980, uh, late 1982, so where I earned a uh, degree in business and marketing.
1: I love the Penn State Nittany Lions. <laughs> we were talking offline. We're both football fans. John's get, if You guys could see this. This is a podcast, so you're not seeing it. But if you look in the background of John's picture, there's a picture of Penn State's football stadium, which my uh, Wolverines visited and lost last year. There you go. So tell us a little bit where you started your career.
0: Yeah, so after I graduated, similar to today, the economy, uh, probably much worse back then in 82, 83, pretty deep recession where the uh, the economy's coming out of recession. So I actually worked for a shoe retailer for a couple of months after I graduated. But then I answered an ad, a one ad in the paper, back in the day, that's how you found a job, for Roadway Express. Roadway Express had a uh, really, really great management training program which was perfect for college grads uh, coming out uh, recently.
1: You're not the first person to say they went through that program on this podcast. A lot of people went through that program. It was like boot camp.
0: Yeah, I run into them all the time and have uh, for many years, uh, many times over the years, where uh, and, I run, and I certainly know many of the folks that I came through the program, though. They were, it was a very highly recognized, well-thought-of management training program and a lot of leaders throughout the industry who moved on much like myself? Really, uh, the foundation of what we learned about the business all began with our roadway training. So, in that training program, you, I mean, you were taught uh, rating, billing, pricing, freight operations. I worked as a dock supervisor at a break bulk in Harrisburg for a couple of years and uh, you know, learned how to manage people and again learn the business. So, I spent twenty seven. Great years at Roadway, which, of course, uh, morphed into YRC. So, rose through the uh, organization, again, as a, from a management trainee until uh, till when I left at the end of 2009. I was a group vice president on um, the eastern side of the organization. At that point in time, Roadway on yellow, again, now YRC – was combining operations. So with that being said, at the end of 09, it was uh, was kind of a, uh, it was a great time to embark on a new challenge or a new part of my career. I was very familiar with a company in Pittsburgh called Pitt Ohio Express. So I joined Pitt Ohio. Another and, you know, great company. Yeah, it is a great company. I joined Pitt Ohio in uh, 2010. I was their director of enterprise solutions based at their uh, corporate office in Pittsburgh. My wife is from Pittsburgh. My mom was from Pittsburgh. I have a lot of Pittsburgh connections. You know, I consider Pittsburgh certainly my uh, my second home, and then Lake Pitt, Ohio. Adewy uh, Pile again is a privately owned, family owned business. So uh, there's a lot of similarities there, and like all family businesses, just to stay on that, piles looking ahead to uh, to the transition. They're currently in their third generation, the Latta family, and there are fourth generation. Members of the family, very, very involved in key leadership position here at the company at Piles. So they were looking for some outside help to help them move through that strategic plan and the transition to from the third generation over time to the fourth generation. That intrigued me. They had come to talk to me uh, in early 2019, and I chose to move on uh, from, you know, great career at Pitt, Ohio. But I made a great decision here, again, coming to the of family and the uh, culture here at uh, A. Dewey Powell. It's, uh, it's a, been an amazing run in the year and a half I've been here.
1: Nice, nice. So, John, today's topic is why integrated supply chains are more durable. And when we first talked about this topic, I was like, integrated supply chains. It was kind of like, what do you mean by that? And the reason I say it is we like to think all uh, supply chains are integrated. So talk a little bit about... First of all, what do you mean by integrated supply chain, and and maybe contrast what a, a non-integrated supply chain is?
0: Yeah, integrated supply chain really is it's an enterprise approach or using the resources of the organization to power your supply chain. Using this approach, the business can facilitate relationships with all all its various suppliers, manufacturers, yeah. and customers. However, you're reducing those providers that are managing those different segments of a business. So most or many organizations just start really when you're looking at the supply chain at the left-hand side, which I refer to it, you know, the acquisition of the raw materials, where as raw materials move from the left-hand side to the right-hand side in a supply chain, you're creating value as those components or those raw materials move through a company's supply chain so it'll move into the manufacturing you may have to store it where you'll need either a plan or a warehouse and then you look uh, once it's been completed and the value has been fully achieved then you obviously come into the sales side of it where you transport it to the customers or the endline users and turn that sale into uh, cash for the organization. So obviously there's a lot of complexity with that. There's a lot of stops on the way uh, inventory there's cost of holding that and, and so forth.
1: Right. Well, I'd like to, so we're talking about supply. I know what you mean by integrated supply chain that I appreciate the definition. So when we talk about, you know, so many organizations are say they have, this integrated supply chain, but what they don't realize is how disconnected it really gets. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Now, I'll say this is the opposite of integrated. This is what I think most of the country has, most of the industry has. And what I mean by that is there's all these partners, and a lot of times they're separated by big distances and big, there's different companies. So talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so many organizations, they feel as though they want to spread the risk. So they want to partner with many, many organizations. It could be the transportation side of organizations. It could be the warehousing and distribution side of organizations. And they all tend in many more complex organizations to operate in silos. And when you operate in silos, transportation and distribution, you end up Again, engaging with the potentially with a lot of various partners, and with that comes some inherent risks. So, right.
1: John, I would also say it's not just spreading risk out that they're trying to do. I think a lot of companies, you know, they grow without assets, and there's nothing wrong with that. So they say we're going to focus on people, we're going to focus on technology. We're not going to buy a warehouse, we're not going to buy trucks, which is fine. Those are good decisions for a lot of companies. But then when it ends up happening, then they partner with guys who have trucks, they partner with somebody else who has warehouses, and there. Obviously, sometimes you partner with someone else who has the technology. And then that integration that we talked about all of a sudden gets pretty disconnected.
0: It really does because, uh, again, you can have challenges with all those partners where they uh, you can't put them together. They don't operate well with each other. You can't connect them together, let alone all the IT challenges that come along with having Multiple outside partners. So companies, you know, for they look to bid out those various functions, and again, that can create challenges for many organizations. That's complexity. You have the whole communication obstacles, and various management teams who are managing multiple partners outside of the uh, of the core organization. So, and then you add in the transportation side of it, be it LTL, truckload, small package, and it can be quite challenging for many organizations. Again, compounded by uh, challenges in the economy, much like we're experiencing now.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about this during, but when we were prepping for this, is we were talking about New England motor freight that went away and a lot of other very well-known, well-established carriers went away in recent years. And you look for various reasons, including the nuclear verdicts and the economy and whatever else. And again, these are the kind of risks we're all trying to avoid. I worked with a company at that time. I was advising them. When New England Motor Freight went away, it seemed like it went away really fast. (laughs) And (laughs) it was like, hey, next month is the end. I seem to think we got like two or three weeks notice.
0: Well, that's just to talk real quick about that and compare that to uh, A. Dewey Pyle and the strategic initiative around the generation changes, New England Motor Freight was challenged with that generational change. And that's why they chose to go to basically move in a different direction. It's effectively a real estate company now, where Pile is, uh, the, the future of Pile is very, very strong because of the generation change and the strategic view of that. So it behooves companies to understand, again, going back to that complexity of who you're going to partner with, they need to understand the dynamics, especially of engaging with a private organization around the generational change, the financial stability of the company, because no one saw that New England motor freight uh, situation and where that was going. So, uh, and it was uh, just in the middle of February, a year and a half ago, that there was that announcement. So, uh, you know, going back where you have a lot of providers that you need to vet those uh, providers very, very carefully.
1: Yep. So, Kind of to close out the what disconnected is. And I we, we think we're talking about why supply chains that are integrated are more durable, which means, you know, less risk, less cost, all those things. So just to, to summarize kind of some of the problems we see in the non-integrated, which is very common. And again, I don't think people talk about it enough is most 3PLs, most 3PLs can't manage an entire supply chain. So they partner up and on a good day, it all works really well, (laughs) but they're not all good days. (laughs) And I think, you know, when we see strain, like we just went through with the COVID, you see those strains become breaks and, you know, those disconnected supply chains, when you have a 3PL that partner with three or four other partners to make something happen, you start to see where the breaks can happen. They're less durable, they're more risk, and it's a problem. And I'm a big believer in, I want one throat to choke. And I so I always say when you're working with somebody like that, if this 3PL, you hired all those partners. I'm going to choke you if this doesn't work out.
0: Well, the 3PL in many instances are non-asset based, right? So they don't own the real estate. They don't own the rolling stock. They don't own the property. They don't own the plants. They don't own the equipment. So all they do in reality is just manage the relationship. So you have. All these different components being managed by someone or an entity that doesn't own any of the properties. So they then have to go out and sublease or subcontract to others who do own those assets. And that just becomes a very, very complex set of relationships that are very, very challenging.
1: Right. And it, there's also the other side of it is if you spend your money on trucks, and you spend your money on warehouses. It's hard to spend all your money on technology. So some companies have made the decision: Hey, we're going to spend our money on technology, which is a good decision. No one's going to say this technology doesn't work in these days. But you have to kind of find the right partner for you and start to re- and also recognize that there is risk when you have a million partners. And again, those especially if those partners aren't well integrated, like we're talking about here today. So. Anyway, John, let's switch gears. Talk about what does an integrated supply chain look like? What are some of those attributes? So
0: an integrated supply chain really is, is where you are managing your supply chain with one at the most, two partners, and you are realistically these should be asset-based entities who have basically have a skin in the game, right? They've invested in the real estate, they've invested in the people and the infrastructure to run that network, and that network can power a customer's supply chain through the use of their uh, through their assets. So again, you always want to look to ensure that those folks that you are. You're integrating your supply chain with are financially stable. There's a lot of again examples where people are not, but distance is eliminated or greatly reduced in our situation. Integrated warehouses is that we'll have a uh, 200,000 square foot warehouse attached to one of our facilities. So theoretically, a customer. in you
1: your terminals.
0: Yeah, they're in our terminals. So our customer, and we have many of them, they'll place their inventory. It'll come in via truckload. It'll be inventory in our building. And then we run a uh, WMS system, link up through their ERP system. That, that is integrated through technology. We pick the orders and they can utilize our LTL network. They don't certainly don't have to. and They don't in all instances, or they'll use a combination.
1: Your, your trucks are sitting right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our trucks are sitting in there. And the advantage, to be honest with you, from a pricing perspective, the advantage we have is we have no pickup costs. So when you're in an LTL network, you have to drive somewhere to go make the pickup. And there's a cost to that where if we have, equipment, time. <laughs> right, if we have equipment sitting against our building, when we model the LTL price for that customer in an integrated network, we take out. The uh, pickup cost, which is usually between ten and fifteen percent of the transaction, which can be a you know a huge advantage that we have. So that is a from a sales perspective, I always and our team always hones in on if you place the inventory in our facility for distribution in the Mid Atlantic or the Northeast, you have an inherent advantage a partnering with us but B is from a uh, pickup perspective and transportation on to the final uh, customer. So it's-
1: I'll tell you what, John, it's also, you know, this as well as I do, every other meeting you sit in, in logistics, somebody says, hey, I ordered this from Amazon on Tuesday and on Thursday morning, it was sitting on my porch. So we've got customers who are very, you know, the end customers are getting more accustomed to getting it quick. You know, I just ordered some shirts online and it took eight days for the small parcel to land on my porch. That, to me, when I'm used to Amazon, that felt like two months. (laughs) So being able to say, yeah, the freight is in my warehouse. And when somebody says move it, it moves that day on a truck. That's perfect. It moves that
0: day conceivably in our network, depending, again, where it is being inventoried in our network or which facility. We have 12 warehouse integrated centers. We have 24 terminals of which 12 of them are attached to a warehouse or in some (laughs) <laughs> yeah so depending on where it is in the uh, from a geography standpoint they should be able to get next day delivery throughout the northeast mid atlantic Area. So, and, but it also opens up for some companies, again, to your point about the Amazon effect, it opens up the opportunity for an account to have a customer place an order in the morning. We could pick it and then even deliver it within the same day, if in fact that's a need of the customer. And we have marketed that as part of our integrated approach. If you want to compete, there's more and more companies that are utilizing that Amazon platform or something similar to that, where a customer can order up to, say, 10 o'clock in the morning. And if you can drive, To it in time, you can achieve same day delivery. You know, that's a strategic focus of Amazon in their various markets, whether it's consumer or business to
1: business. So, theoretically, if I was selling some sort of product, I'm going to assume something that customers want relatively. I'll I'll just use toilet paper because places ran out of toilet paper. I could say, I want to locate my product close to my customers. So, I'm going to put it in a number of warehouses in the Northeast mostly. Is that where you're? integrated That's correct. There. so I New put case. those in there is it conceivable that you can obviously move at LTL you guys are an LTL company they can move truckload I'm assuming but probably wouldn't it, does it also move through local delivery companies? It could be, but we
0: have straight trucks, ES trucks, okay. which are, uh, you know the 24-foot uh, 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 basically straight trucks in order to do that. And again, companies, when you look at, uh, let's say, your furnace breaks and the component that the uh, technician needs to fix your furnace in the middle of December is in one of our warehouses. Again, many in, in most of those situations, That component is available for, at a minimum, that same day, more often than not, it's next day delivery. And we can ship it either directly to the contractor or to the homeowner, and the contractor can come in and install it. And that happens all the time uh, in the integrated world. Again, that's that Amazon effect. That's that speed to delivery, allowing a customer to order anytime from anywhere, the empowered consumer has a lot of choices and companies have to be able to compete in a market where the consumer has countless options.
1: I would also say this is, you know, since we're all buying online and we, a lot of us are buying through Amazon, we've gotten very used to how that happens. And then we bring that attitude to work and say, that's what I expect. I expect that really easy user experience. That's if I want to return it, that simple. If I want it tomorrow, that simple. And I think we're all bringing that to the job because that's what Amazon showed us how to do.
0: Exactly. I mean, going back to the repair technician, the plumber, or the electrician, or whatever it might be, they conceivably, much like you and I can on our phone or on our Amazon Prime account, I can order a pair of sneakers and it'll be there tomorrow on Prime, right? Where a technician could be sitting in uh, somebody's house, needs a component, they go online, they order it, and again... Yep. Depending on how far away it is, they could conceivably get it that same day or or at the worst the next day.
1: Yep. You know what I like about what you describe with these integrated warehouses? So it's a warehouse with a, a LTL terminal attached. I like that there's one boss somewhere in that building. So if at some point somebody says, hey, I went to pick that up and they weren't ready, there's the boss can walk over and say, get that ready right now. Prioritize that. I want that moved out today. I think and, and again, you're
0: partnering with one entity. Right versus multiple entities no on the
1: same page
0: <laughs> all the communication that has to go on and and uh, connectivity and you know, no one has it resources they're they're thin in every uh, company and taxed so uh, it's difficult you know, it takes for, it takes a long time to do all those connections and and god forbid when something happens or you get a ransomware or something like that that just creates all kinds of challenges
1: Right. Well, it's very slick. It seems to me, especially in the Northeast, where you've got all that population and the Mid-Atlantic, that it's a nice thing to be able to say, yeah, I can put my stuff real close to those consumers. So, John, I'm going to summarize this real quick. And then I want you to put some final thoughts on this. Then I want you to tell us a little bit what's going on over at A. Dewey So. I'll contrast this idea of the integrated supply chain and the disconnected supply chain. And again, what we're used to is with this, I'll call the disconnected supply chain. And it's not every supply chain that's integrated is disconnected. I mean, there's a lot of people who have lots of partners and they do a good job of integrating. But the challenge sometimes is different companies, different motivations. You've got all these different systems that have to be integrated. And when you have all those partners, sometimes there's distance between everybody there's certainly corporate walls between everybody and the problem that you can run into is you got these system integrations that can be expensive you got this you know you could have the carrier a long way away from the warehouse that's probably more normal than not communication can become a problem systems automation can't always fix everything sometimes people need to talk and coordination and management between those companies can sometimes become a problem so contrast that with this idea of an integrated supply chain where you say This is all under one corporate umbrella. The warehouse works with the 3PL, which works with the asset-based carrier. So I think that's a pretty slick model. So give us some final thoughts on that, John.
0: Yeah, again, so in many organizations, it's very common where you have a distribution side of the organization, which includes the warehousing, and then you have the transportation side. They have diverging, you know, they have separate budgets in many organizations. So they're it's not that they compete with each other, but they, they're they not always moving in tandem. They're not
1: always aligned.
0: <laughs> they have separate budgets. They may have a different supervisory structure and things like that. So they're not always aligned and that invariably you can run into problems. So from an integrated approach, you can centralize that you know, within an organization where the distribution side is also working very closely with the transportation side because they're dealing with just one provider who has one building and one asset. Now, when you know, many companies still wanna bring in a, a third-party technology component, a TMS or an ERP WMS system, and that's fine. We work with all the major brands in that area. However, the physical movement, which is the most critical, side of this is occurring through one single link and that's uh, that's really the upside that we have in the market compared to most others definitely in our uh, service
1: area nice nice so john tell us what's coming up with for for adwe pile anything new you guys gotta you want to share with us yeah, so we
0: just opened up our newest facility, which is in Greencastle, Hagerstown. It's actually on the border of Hagerstown, Maryland, Greencastle, Pennsylvania. That's on the uh, I-70, I-81 corridor. So you're north of Baltimore and you're northwest of the Washington, Northern Virginia metro. So It's a uh, fast-growing area, so we put in an 80-door terminal with a uh, 200,000-square-foot, it's an integrated building, they're connected to each other, and then we just opened that up two weeks ago, brand-new facility, and behind that, we're about ready to begin construction on a second building, another 200,000 square feet. Again, because of the size of the population and the growth of the population in that area of the country There's just great demand for an integrated warehousing terminal network.
1: John, do you work with 3PLs? If they were to reach out to you, would you put their work with them?
0: Absolutely. We work with many of the, uh, most all of the leading 3PLs, and we have long established agreements with them. It continues to be a fast-growing segment of our business because many companies do seek outside help from a technology perspective. The 3PLs offer that technology that companies have more often than not chosen not to invest. It's likely cheaper to engage with a third party than to invest in the IT resources themselves. So.
1: Yeah, it's a challenge in this business. There's not always an enormous margins. You, you got to invest it somewhere, right? You invest. So it's you guys have invested quite a bit, it sounds like, in assets. And you know, it's also interesting when I think of asset based, I think somebody owns warehouses or trains or trucks or whatever. What I like is you guys own the warehouses and you own the trucks. And I also like that they're integrated. That's really slick, I think. I mean, their rate makes, they're connected.
0: Well, it's the third generation, again, the Latta family and the the pile culture is, is to uh, reinvest a great majority of the operating income of the company back into into the physical assets, into the real estate, into the rolling stock. It's really uh, going back to when I was researching the opportunity I had to join the organization. It was a critical part of my thought process. I saw that in discussions with them. And uh, that's very, very powerful. So you want to partner with a company who is a generating the operating income that's needed to reinvest back into the infrastructure of the organization. Real estate's not getting any cheaper. Real estate in the Northeast is getting you know, more and more expensive. All the time, it's becoming scarcer. Real estate, they don't make, like the old saying, they don't make it anymore. So <laughs> it's becoming scarcer, very expensive, and the company is well down the road in that investment, far down the road in that investment, and that's a strategic advantage we have over uh, most all of our competition.
1: Yeah, it's very slick, very slick. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking about this. Again, I think it's a very interesting model. And again, not a lot of companies have what you guys have that way. It's again, it's a brand new world. We have to be more responsive, which means you're going to need some, some companies are going to need this integrated solution. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Joe, for having me. I appreciate the time. Yeah. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. Till next time, onward and upward.